and you And you and me It's just a crazy storm I'm Peter And I'm Felice Welcome to our travel podcast We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way This week we're exploring the solitary world of travel blogging. What is a travel blogger? How do you become one? Wandering around the world and writing for your own publication, no demanding editors apart from yourself, while making loads of money at the same time? Sounds like the ideal way of earning a comfortable living. We met up with Vicky Flipflop, who over the past nine years has become one of Britain's most successful travel bloggers. She's got literally thousands of social media followers and has made enough money out of her one-woman business to buy her own three-bedroomed house. Vicky, welcome to our travel podcast. Now, can you start by telling us the difference between a travel blogger and a travel influencer? Well, I can I consider myself a blogger. I guess I, I do have the intention to influence people, but it's not it's not my sole purpose. I want to inspire people and show people the adventures that I've been on. Whereas I sort of think of an influencer as more taking a picture and they earn their money through persuading people to do things. Whereas I um, I guess more of a storyteller. So influencers sort of wear fashions and it's more to do with fashion, isn't it? And things like that. Yeah, I think of it more, more as fashion and like makeup and things like that rather than the stories of travelling. So tell us, first of all, Vicky, how did you become a blogger? How, well, when did you start? Um, I started blogging, it was almost nine years ago now, which was quite a long time um, in the blogging world. But I worked at a company called Hostel Bookers and part of my job was to try and to get bloggers to stay at our hostels. But before I started working, so I started working there as a content editor, but I'd never actually even looked at travel bloggers or knew the travel blogging world. And then I saw these amazing lives that the travel bloggers were having and just thought it looked great. And I also wanted to sort of learn more about blogging. And it was kind of a, a bit of a trick to sort of be a blogger and be one of them. And then I could try and make friends with them from the other side, <laughs> which was the intention nine years ago. And then, yeah, obviously blogging has just got into this huge, huge thing now and never could have imagined how big it would be. But I'm glad that I was sort of in on the early days of blogging. So how many bloggers are there in the, you know, doing travel in the UK, let's say? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Like thousands, because it depends on whether you're sort of talking about bloggers that do it full time as well. Or there's a lot of hobby bloggers that just enjoy writing about their weekend travels and time off which is how which is how I started I did it for three years while I still had a full-time job as I was building it up I would I wouldn't know but I'd say thousands but I feel like at the start of blogging I knew I knew them all especially because of my job I knew all the bloggers but now there's no way there's just way too many and what's the sort of level at which you people become a full-time blogger and making money out of it I mean it depends on how much social media you attract I guess yeah, and I think it's that's such sort of a varied question because it depends on the time that you got in. So when obviously when I started, there was less competition, but there was also a lot less information. Now you can learn so much in courses and become like have have all the tools and have all the knowledge in a very quick time. Whereas we were sort of working it out as we went along. But I think I think now there's definitely space for more bloggers, but I think you have to have a unique take on it and. One of the big things that people suggest to new bloggers now as well is to have a specific niche. Rather than just being a travel blogger, then you need to write about travel with horses or, you know, just something random and something niche. 
could have some specialist market to uh, yeah. work well. I think it applies to all forms of journalism. If it is a form of journalism, there's all everything to do with the media requires now to be have a level of specialization. So, so tell us about your travels. How did they start? You, you then started traveling full time. Yes. So um, then after about three years, I was sort of doing two full time jobs with my work and my blog. And it came the time that I could take it on the road. So I did. And I went traveling for three years and sort of worked my way around as a digital nomad, which was a new term then then as well. Uh, Just sort of working from coffee shops and having fun adventures and traveling around Central America, Asia and Europe. So what's it like being a digital nomad? Do you meet others doing the same thing? No, so, so that sort of like because there was the whole digital nomad scene. So I went to a few conferences and met a few people from who did anything but travelled with it. And then there's the travel blogger scene as well. So I would again go to conferences or maybe be on press trips, and I'd meet other travel bloggers that were travelling full time and made friends with them. And then also there's obviously the travellers as well. But as work got more intense and like to write a blog post became much more than just writing a blog post like with all the SEO and special photography and video and everything it just it just got quite a lot to try and work and travel at the same time and because I've been doing it for three years as well like travel is tiring isn't it so mm-hmm. then I came back to England to get the best of both worlds and have home and travel as well but yeah those three years were just incredible I got to see so much and meet so many people it's great so Vicky can you tell us how you actually make money out of being a travel blogger you talk about making a full-time living out of it, but who pays you for what? So the main way that I make money travel blogging is to collaborate with destinations, with DMOs, and to work with them. And then they would pay me to go to a destination and then I would make videos or cover it on my social media and write on my blog or write on their blog. And so we work together to create some fun content for their marketing goals. Tourist offices around the world and yeah. tour operators as well? Yeah. Yeah. And then anyone involved in travel sometimes gets in touch as well, like car hire companies will want to work together or clothing or anything to do with travel really that wants to get into the travel market. So that's one way to do it. And then another way is there's advertising on my site, which is with a company called Mediavine and a lot of travel bloggers work with them and you'll just be shown ad on the site which was maybe a bit of a contentious issue at the start, but I think so many travel bloggers have it now and so many sites have advertising that it's just it's just the way it is now. So that's another way. And then affiliates as well. So if people book hotels that I've stayed at or go on trips that I've been on, then I will earn a small, very small commission for them doing that. Um, so those are the three main ways. But then there's a lot of other ways that travel bloggers make money as well through courses or running tours or speaking events. And then like social media collaborations as well. Like people will advertise to be on bloggers' social medias. And are the photos, the pictures more important than the words or is it equal? I think that kind of depends on your setup. So some of my travel blogger friends have had huge success because their photos are so amazing that they've done well on Pinterest or other visual sites. But then if if writing is your main thing, like I'm a trained journalist, so writing has always been my number one and it's what I studied at university. And I worked in magazines in London before going online. So I've always been more of a writer. But if you're more of a photographer or more of a videographer, then there's definitely space for you and that can be your specialism. So Twitter is your biggest social media, isn't it? 
Yes, it is, yes. So that's probably more for writers, whereas Instagram, more for pictures. Yeah, yeah, it's more visual, yeah, definitely. And one of your specialities is festivals. Yes, until this year, yes. So tell us about your travels. When, when you set off to uh, travel the world, you, did you just go to one place and then keep on rolling along, or did you keep going back to the UK? Again, a bit of a mix. I would, so the longest I'd be away at a time was about three, three or four months. And then I would come back for various things. Like it was my late 20s, early 30s. So a lot of friends were getting married and things like that. So I kind of always had a reason to come back every three or four months. But I would travel consecutively in between that. And what about the favourite places you've been to in the world? Um, I think my favourite place would have to be Japan. Because I went went for six weeks independently and travelled around on the trains and went to a few festivals and went to the big cities. And it was just amazing. And then I went again in... January this year and December last year and I would just go again as soon as I can because it's it's just so interesting there's just so many great things to see there and there's all different like the country is so different so when I first went I went skiing for a week and a lot of people didn't even know that you could go skiing in Japan but it's actually some of the best skiing maybe you want I don't know if you guys have been oh we've done it many times <laughs> yeah oh, there you go. so yeah that was great to explore all that and then the snow festivals there were great and obviously everybody is aware of Tokyo and the big cities and sort of the mad things that go on but I really like the food and the culture and the history and then the science museum in Tokyo was amazing and it was just an incredible experience to see Japan I agree I love Japan as well the only thing is the language is a bit difficult you can't read the signs no, yeah, that is really hard. And I didn't, despite being three times, I haven't managed to pick up many words because you just sort of forget them in between your trips. But I don't know. I got by. I got by. Have you been to all the main islands? Yes. But I would love to go again and go to some of the little littler islands in the south. Yes, me too. I, I, we love it. I'd love to go and see the cherry blossom. Have you seen the cherry blossom? Oh, yeah. No, no. And I feel like next year would maybe be a good year to do that because there'll be less people traveling if it's a good time and if everything's okay disclaimers so now for the moment you're you're grounded like we are here yes and you've been exploring the united kingdom yes yeah, so in january i decided to set up a new site about england because i actually planned to spend more time in england this year which is a bit crazy considering how the years worked out but i set that up in january and then lockdown has been a big opportunity to write for it, write more for it and build it. And in July, when the lockdown was lifted, the numbers were great. And it's, yeah, the site's doing really well. Day out in England, because I wanted to have a site that was a bit more achievable, because my blog, I have done some incredible adventures, and some of them have been very expensive. And it was only because for those three years, I didn't have a home base that I could afford to do the amazing things that I have done, and through press trips and things. But I wanted something, I wanted to write something that was a bit more that my my friends could do and that I could do in the future and that yeah basically it was a bit more achievable and then this year days out in England have been the thing to do so it's been very on trend really so if people want to look it up is it days out in England day out in england.com uh, my main blog is vickyflipfloptravels.com so where in England where, where, or in, I should say in the United Kingdom where it's been the most exciting place I see you've been camping in the Outer Hebrides Yes. So a few weeks ago, me and my friend drove up. I drove. I live in Portsmouth, and so I drove up to the Outer Hebrides, which was one of the longest I've ever driven. And we decided to go wild camping, but unfortunately, we didn't quite have the right equipment and the right tent. Although it was beautiful sunny days, the wind was just ferocious, and we couldn't even stand for long enough to put the tent up on the second night because it was quite a high tent. So my friend ended up sleeping in the car, and I'd luckily taken a 
one person bike packing tent and so I could sleep in that. So the sleeping wasn't very successful, but the actual trip was brilliant. Outer Hebrides are so beautiful and there was barely anyone around and we just had these incredible beaches to ourselves and it just felt even better, the fact that we'd been in our homes for six months and then just getting up there and getting out was just a really incredible experience. So what did you do when you were there, sort of hiking? So we spent the week and we road tripped all the way up and then came back down through Sky. But it was mainly hiking because the trouble was a lot, like there's not that much to do there apart from hiking and road tripping. And what there was to do was closed. So it was just a really nice chance to be outside without the distractions of trying to fit in everything that you want to do on a holiday because we just knew it was closed. So what sort of tent did you have and what should you have had? I had a Coleman four-person tent, which is really good for festivals because my thinking in taking it was that it was high. And so if it, if it did rain, we could have somewhere decent to sit inside. Because at festivals, it's really nice because it's got two pods, one on each side and then a space in the middle. But yeah, it was just too high. What we needed was another bike packing tent, really, which was the small one that I took, which was the Van Gogh 100, because then me and my friend Helen could have had a tent each and they were and they were low they sat low and they take like five minutes to put up whereas this one it's, it was just too big too big for the wind and the fact that we were wild camping it was just a bit ott like you're meant to be discreet and not as noticeable as we were trying to get all these guy ropes to stick in the ground <laughs> in the wind too in the wind. Yeah. yeah 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 we've all done it it's a horrible experience <laughs> yeah it was but also quite funny <laughs> recently you've been glamping in the new forest yes glamping in the new forest there's some great Great places to go there. I think obviously that's something that's taken British people's imagination this year, that you can spend a little bit more on your accommodation because you're not paying as much to get there because people can't get out of the country. So I think glamping's been huge this year. I know there's been reports of having to spend a lot of money for sites in Cornwall and Isle of Wight. And I guess with less places to go, they've been able to charge more. And there used to be a conference for travel bloggers. Is that right? Called TBEX? Oh yes, TBEX. Yes, I've been to a few of those. I've been to one in Minnesota and there was a really fun one in Dublin. I'm not sure if they're doing them in Europe anymore because now there's one called Traver, which is run by two of my friends. And so I think a lot of Europeans go to that one now because they did a fantastic one in Trentino in Italy last year. So anyone could go to that who is a travel blogger or who would, would like to be a travel blogger? Yeah, anyone with any interest in travel blogging can go to that and then you can learn from other travel bloggers. And one of the best bits is just the socialising with other people because they also run press trips afterwards. And then I've found in my travel blogging career that one of the best things is the people that you meet. And then as you travel together, you just learn so much from each other on location rather than sitting at home and trying to do courses or anything like that it's more learning off each other and what sort of equipment do you need I mean you need a good camera I guess and a recorder and whatever yeah I've been through a lot of equipment in the last nine years sort of you know one of those all all gear no idea things where you think that you need to buy everything and then you get it all and you just don't know how to use it so I've also sold a lot and now my equipment is quite refined and I have I have an old an older GoPro for extreme things and then the Canon M50 camera which is quite nice to me I used to have a bigger one but I was just traveling solo a lot I was just I just didn't want to take it out so much in public and I felt like I was showing off a bit in certain destinations and just carrying it around as well because it's heavy so the m50 is a nice size it does good video and good photo and then I have a google pixel camera and my macbook air and I think that's it yeah it's not as much as some travel bloggers but it's enough for me 
And you said in a recent blog post, should I retrain like the government wants me to, ride out the storm like my closest travel blogger friends suggest, or be sensible and find a job and accept it's time to move on? Right, yeah. Or lie in bed reading the news, waiting for it to blow over. Which one do you think it is? <laughs> um, I don't know, because sometimes you get a glimmer of hope that things will come back or that there is a future, but then I worry just... You know, no, no one I know now is traveling at the moment. And I have a lot of friends who are keen travelers, whether they're travel bloggers or not, they're definitely keen travelers and they're not traveling. And so I just worry. People will start traveling again. And obviously when it comes back and people have more confidence, it's just going to be huge because people have got all these destinations saved up that they really wanted to go to or they'll have blowout holidays or, you know. I mean, it's going to come back one day in one way. So it's just waiting till then when I think of retraining I don't I just don't know what else I would do (laughs) nothing is as good (laughs) nothing is as good and as interesting as this I like the attractive alternative of lying in bed and reading actually I think that might (laughs) be the alternative wait out the storm yeah maybe I'll just do that (laughs) how do you think travel will change after the virus what will happen to like kids clubs and hotel buffets and all that sort of thing yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to change, isn't it? I think people are going to look at the countries that have done well. That's definitely going to be a factor in where you want to go. But it's crazy to think that here in the UK, we're we're very high in infection and death rates. So it seems, I don't know, a little off for us to judge other people. But that is just going to be a factor of, of deciding on where to go on holiday and how they've dealt with the, um, 2020. I think... Obviously, hygiene is going to be a big thing. You know, even traveling in England, I've seen that um, people have got on their websites about their hygiene rating. And, you know, they're trying to really enforce the fact that they are clean and that they've done everything that they can to prevent any spread or cases. I don't know. I think people are just going to want as much as much assurance as possible that they're going to be okay. But people are still going to want to travel. Hopefully in slightly smaller numbers. I mean... The one plus side to this, perhaps, is that a number of destinations like Prague and Florence have been suffering from death by tourism in recent years. Yeah, I think some destinations are going to see it as an opportunity to change their to change their reputation because places like I was reading about Koh Phangan in uh, Thailand, and obviously they've had all their full moon parties, and it's a place for eighteen-year-olds and young people to go and party, and so they can sort of use this as a chance to pivot and to change the conversation around their destination. And um, so it'll be interesting to see if certain destinations do do that like obviously Prague's got the whole nightlife um, reason why people go like stag parties and everything like that and it'll be interesting to see if they do manage to change the type of tourist that they get and I think where people want to go will change as well because people want a bit of solace they want like the mountains and things like that but then we've seen from the UK like Wales the queues at the top of Snowdon to reach the peak like that's that's not what they went to go and climb that mountain for for those queues so I think there's obviously the same amount of people so they're gonna move around and maybe we will need to have passes and permits and things that we haven't needed to have before just to try and manage the amount of people that aren't going on these big bus holidays or big all-inclusive holidays or you know the the map of where people are going is going to change a lot and so that's going to cause it's going to solve some problems but it's also going to cause a lot more problems where are all these people going that used to go to Venice when this is all over where's the first place you'd like to go to I'm actually desperate to go to Peru I really want to go to Peru and there was that interesting story the other day of them opening 
Machu Picchu for that one Japanese tourist. I'm not sure if you saw that. No, I didn't. They see that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fab, yeah, that was my big place that I wanted to go this year. Yeah, that's my number one place that I want to go when we're allowed to move around a bit more. And then I also really want to go to Jordan. Just have this thing for Jordan. And I can't believe I haven't been yet. Um, I have, and I went shortly after some terrorism had taken place there. So it was completely empty of tourists. Oh, right, okay. Which was great, actually. And so I saw Petra, you know, with hardly anyone there. Yeah. So you could get lovely pictures without people. Yeah, I think that's something that um, some people will want to do with travel. Like when it's safe, but everyone's not traveling, there's going to be that sort of sweet spot that a lot of of people who want to see the big sites like Petra, you know, that's, that's the time to go really, isn't it? To see them. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And there's quite a few people in the world who are, people of my age who feel that they can go and then come back and if you have to isolate yourself for two weeks then it's not so bad we work from home anyway so it's quite easy yeah uh, and people will start people are aren't they traveling now yeah some of my travel blogger friends are off doing things right now I don't feel quite safe enough and just because I want to see my parents and things like that it's not it's not right for me right now but in 2021, in the not too distant future. But also my brother and his wife are having a baby in December and they live in Barcelona. So somehow in December, I need to get to Barcelona. But it's, it's one of the things that's so difficult at the moment. You just can't plan anything. So obviously I want to be there at some point, but I'm not booking flights or anything like that because it depends on what the circumstances are in five weeks time. No one, no one knows, do they? Yeah, there just seems to be so many barriers to it at the moment that I'm just not doing it unless it's for my brother. So just changing the subject, how did you think up the name Vicky Flipflop? My surname is Philpot, and at school there were some friends that would just call me Flipflop. So it was just a kind of offhand, it wasn't like my big nickname, not everyone called it me, but it was just sort of a fond offhand nickname that people called me at school. So when I was trying to think of a name for my travel blog, I just thought it seemed apt. And it's been a good name. I've liked it. Like a lot of my friends that started travel blogging when I did have had to go through this whole brand name change and everything because it just hasn't sat well with them as they've got a bit older. But no, I really like my name. <laughs> Vicky Flip Flop works. I'll keep it. Yeah, it's memorable. Yeah, yeah. So all this traveling, you've done this alone or do you have a partner or? Um, it's kind of a mix. When I went off for the three years, I went as a solo traveler, which was great. And then more recent adventures, I've gone with my boyfriend or friends or family. And then I'm also a big fan of tour groups as well. I think that offers an interesting way to travel and maybe gives you access to places that you wouldn't normally. So I advocate all all sorts of travel, really. It's it's just a different way of traveling. And then, yeah, as I say, tour groups can be great as well. So there's not one type that I think. But the fact that my travel blog covers nine years is quite a lot in someone's life so I've gone through all these different life processes and had had my blog and it's been a really nice uh, record record of achievement <laughs> and how many countries have you actually been to and, and blogged from I think at last count I think it was like 75 uh, yeah that's, that's a pretty serious life of travel yeah it is, <laughs> it is. it's a good effort <laughs> thank you Flip Bob. thank you very much indeed for appearing on our travel podcast and we wish you the best of luck and fun with your travels whenever and wherever that may be thank you it's been great thank you That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please do visit our website actionpackedtravel.com or subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Amazon or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. 
we'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peteranfelice at gmail.com. That's peteranfelice F-E-L-I-C-E at gmail.com And I am you And you are me It's just a crazy storm